Kidney Clowder back at it, pulling a nice 42-point win at Kidney Park. Nice sunny day it was, Saturday Arvo. Couldn't be better, really, could it? Yeah, beautiful day. Love Saturday Arvo footy. Get home at a reasonable hour after the game, but yeah, good seven-goal win, much needed. First uh, first Saturday Arvo game at, at KP for a while, wasn't it? I can't remember we kicked the kick for a while, so yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> happy days and 42 points, so some nice percentage boost there on top of the four points. We'll get in a bit more into quarter analysis, but there was a point there where late in the fourth quarter, with 10 or so minutes to go, we were up by 40 points. Just thinking that time, yeah, let's kind of, let's put it to the sword. Let's get some two, three more goals, get that percentage right up there. And we did concede a few, but you, you can't. If you told me before the match, we'll win by 42 points against Brisbane, who have been a really, really good informed team, pushing it against Adelaide last week. I'd take that. Yeah, they're a good team, Brisbane. They've had a really good month or so with form. And listening to the talkback radio before the game, some people were predicting, you know, 10 goal plus blowouts. I couldn't believe it. Brisbane are a good, solid side, like I said. So mm. we, we really had to put in good performance to get on top of them. I think, I think you'd, yeah, you'd take the 42-point the win, but we definitely did take the, the foot off the gas and the fans were getting a bit restless at one point in time towards the back end of the, of the last quarter. But, you know, the, the work was done. We put the cue in the rack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe a tiny sense of complacency there, but uh, it was that, that start of the third quarter where we were up by 11 points at halftime all of a sudden within a matter of minutes. Hawkins kicked three. And yeah. I think pretty much kicked, green lighted yeah. for the win. <laughs> I think they kicked the last two of the second quarter. Yeah, they did. And yeah. the mm-hmm. next three of the third quarter. They really so, got a good solid run on yeah. there for a while. Yeah. Played some good footy. Yeah. And then from there, it was kind of a sit back. Sit back in your chair and watch from supporters. There was no need to get yeah, rowdy or rattler, yeah. restless. So it was a very, very di- different atmosphere from last week's match um, where the fans were next level vocal haven't seen that in years but a different type of match last week was a much must win clubs match this week was an expected four points <clears throat> just depended i guess how much whether that be a close match or whether that be a 10 goal margin or there was the the slight chance of a loss against an, an informed team and a good team with some Geelong boys playing for them as well and with the likes of Darcy Gardner back in Geelong Alex Withen and Geelong Boy, uh, Josh Walker, Bundy. Yeah, exactly. Christensen, strange seeing him at Kenya Park in the Brisbane Lions, Gansey. But, um, we did the job, boys. We did the job. Yeah, we did. It was a, a, just a touch disappointing for me personally at the end. Um, I mean, I don't know. You couldn't have driven the point home anymore. I mean, the reason we were out of the eight last week was percentage only. So I would have thought we would have, you know, put the foot on the gas for as long as we could. But... Got the win anyway. Mm. See what happens now. We've done all we can do, really. So done, man, held up our end of the bargain. Well, now it's yeah. Did did we do all we can do though? I mean, oh, that that, oh, that, that yeah. last ten minutes was pretty average, really. Oh, Again, I mean, given given percentages, the reason we were ninth and not in the eight. For sure, for sure. I would have been ramming at home that last ten minutes. Yeah. Go for the jugular, keep yeah. going as yeah. much hard as you can. Yeah, I'm. I was just making the point that uh, you know it's after the fact that yeah. we're saying oh, this. Yeah. So you know yeah. Yeah. we. The game, the game is done. We've done yeah. as much as we can do. So that is the performance that we, you know, that we've dealt out. 
Yeah, if you told me before the match, we're going to win by seven goals against yeah upperformed team. And kick over in, 100 points. In and, and out, players, Mitch Robertson in good form, Dan Beam, Sorko, Kipwood, all in good <laughs> I would have taken that, definitely. Mm, agreed. So I I can't complain. Yeah, there's always minutes and periods within the match where you don't have your finest, and there's always periods where you do put it on display, and that was those real those minutes where Hawkins all of a sudden in that third quarter just you know, a quick display, kick two or three. So I guess the only well, the main negative to come out of the match, unfortunately, one, can we, we can still call it this, can we? I know it maybe puts a damner on this, but the cloud is Tom A.A. Stewart picking up uh, quite a... Syndesmosis. Yes, foot injury. Quite a significant injury, yep. So looks like it'll rule him out of the home and away season to the rest of the the premiership matches to go. And if we make finals, and looking like we will, hopefully he'll be back for then, but not a good sign for... Stewie. Nah, bad injury. Couldn't have picked a, probably our most informed player at the moment. This is a, probably the first time I'm thankful to have that buy between the end of the season and the finals. Could be quite opportunistic for him to get back on the park and hopefully play. But who That's knows? Might actually, I hadn't thought of that. Might be able to sneak him in for one of the last two games, but considering they're pretty much guaranteed wins against Frio and Gold Coast down here, I'd be resting him maybe, or maybe just playing him in that last game just to get a run on before the fourth final. Mm. Do we then restructure the team and bring uh We'll get on to back yeah. to defence? Yeah, we'll get on the to questions some, we can be asked. Some changes a bit later. Um it's a tough one. We we thought we had a tough one a few weeks ago with Hendo coming back. maybe we have another tough one right here and shaping it. We'll we'll get onto that a bit later. But individual performances from the group that stood out. From the we'll start off with the elite performers. Jerno's there's no Mick Moldhouse articles this week, but didn't need to be for a certain Gaz Junior. Thirty-eight disposals, fifteen contested, eighty-four point two percent disposal efficiency, eight clearances, and a stack of tackles to that. Five tackles, Five tackles just yeah. elite performance from Gaz. He was all over the joint. He was everywhere. It was amazing. We can uh, be hopeful that the Jerno's will keep writing their articles because it seems to. Um, Set a fire underneath Gary and Ian. And that's that's the part where we have labelled that as an area where Gaz has been criticised. And some weeks, rightly so, when he has only picked up 16 disposals and hasn't laid a tackle or has laid one tackle. But when he when you see McKinney Park against an informed opposition to be getting on top of 38 disposals, Eight clearances and five tackles. Tackles, I think, is the crucial part for you, yeah, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. And just looking at his uh, heat map here, 64% of his disposals are in the defensive half. So just to know that he's mm-hmm. laying a few more tackles, applying that defensive pressure, helping yeah. rebound off half-back after Stewart went down. So I think that's a big improvement from mm-hmm. the little man. Once or twice he was in the on the last line of defence, mm-hmm. um, running it out of... Defensive 50 for us. Yeah, he was, with, yeah. With good handballs mm. and good movement. Things Just evading tackles. Three ground, my vote, sure, surely, isn't it? Oh, you'd have to say. 
Now, this is a Cats podcast, but Dane Beams had a, had a great field day. He'd be the only other one that, that would be challenging for three votes, I'd say. Yeah, wouldn't give him the two. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's got the two. 37 disposals. Beams had, had an awesome day. Right, he, his kicking is unbelievable. That That's what stood out for me. Every pass was, you know, lace out on the chest, didn't have to <laughs> break their stride before. He's an unbelievable player. Yeah. Could yeah. be coming back to Melbourne next year from what you hear. Who knows? Ooh, is this is from a source or from a... <laughs> no, 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 no. Who's lurking around? General, general wants... media comments. Yep. Yeah, yeah, general media comments. I don't know. I read in the paper they're saying Essendon's keen on him. I would have assumed he might have been keen to go back to Collingwood, get the old Rat Pack back with Didak and a few <laughs> other boys maybe. But... <laughs> nice to talk about. Uh... Not sure if Eddie would be happy with that. Oh, well. <laughs> nice to talk about players' movements when it doesn't involve Geelong players. Yeah, we can relax on this one. Exactly. Some other great forms in the weekend. I thought Sam Managala, quite good as well. Floating around mid-forward as he always does and the clearances, 27 disposals. Another good return to him who's usually averaging around you know, 21, 22 mark this season. Good disposal efficiency, 92.6%. Sam was, was quite good. I thought there was a, a, a number that you could name there. Um, Reg or the Iceman or whatever you want to call him now. <laughs> Zach, to his new, 26 disposals. Again, just... He's calm and composed on the ball. He's a ripper, actually. Menegola and Tui, their composure really stands out in tight situations. They just they just seem to be able to, you know, create create opportunities when they're when they're in tight. It's a it's a real asset to them. Tui's been a, he's been in some hot form the last couple of weeks in particular. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be up there in the Kaji. Yeah. Boat surely. Yeah. At the end of the top year. ten for sure. Oh, top five, mate. Yeah. Top four. Um, <laughs> Maybe one. Top one? No. Maybe. <laughs> Obvious ones again. Uh, yeah, we, we sing these, these names every week. Danger. Yeah. 26 disposals. 15 contested disposals. <laughs> Dangerfield averages over 14 contested disposals per match. That's amazing. <laughs> We've just come used to this. It's just standard. Nothing nothing out of the ordinary. Just yeah. standard. Yeah. Just standard. Great forms. Did it under duress in the last quarter. Got that nice little knee from Mitch Robinson into the back, so he's looking mm. a bit proppy. Mm. <laughs> anyway, get on with it. Move on from that. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't lay too many tackles, and he didn't have the greatest disposal efficiency, but I guess that's Danger's role this season has been more, I guess, getting it out of the contest to the outside players, whether it be Ablett um, or Duncan or whoever. So... The disposal efficiency in that manner—that's where it's reflected. It's really that kind of kick forward to just to get it out from the stoppage. I, yeah, I don't the, read the, into those. The, yeah. the rushing forward, you know, the the the, the forward momentum type play, you know, yeah. forward at all costs type stuff. Exactly. I just want to raise two names that we we brought up for discussion last week in terms of players that we're coming back into the side either through injury in the last couple of weeks or through inclusion, being Brandon Parfitt and Jordan Funico. Now, Parfitt last week, he hasn't had the greatest three weeks to say previous to this match. Would that be fair to say, Zach, his performances? Yeah, I would think so. I think the Sydney game might have been his last really standout game. He's teepered off a little bit since then, but he's certainly doesn't warrant a omission of the second. Before he got injured, he was just in amazing form. That's that killed again. Him. Best game of his career, probably. He's mm. been slowly working his way back. So 26 disposals for Brandon. Nine contested. Sorry, 
eight contested possessions, good solid disposal efficiency, 89%. Yeah, a few shots to go on top of that. So a great return, I think. Great return. Five tackles. Can't really fault Brandon Despay. The other one, again, Geordie. Last week, I think he finished with 18 disposals. And we were questioning, I guess, his ball use He was in the bottom six last week. We did put him in the bottom six. Now, he's bounced back this week, 23 disposals, 83% disposal efficiency. And what's really, really important, five tackles. Really, really good. Really, really good. And that's what we want for a wing wing man. We we pointed out that we don't have a, a huge array of... Of wide wing players like the likes of Jordan Kinniko or Jordan Murdoch's, just the Jordans. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, if he's if he's fast, which he is, or he's you know he's one of the quicker players on on the list, you want to utilize that with two way running. You can't afford to just be a downhill skier. And if he's able to provide more defensive pressure, this is. It's a pretty basic game, and that's all you that's all you have to do. That's all you know. That's the minimum standard. That's the minimum expectation. So. No coincidence. He was brought in before the Melbourne game, which I've been harping on. I couldn't believe he was dropped. You bring him in, and then we win the two games after he's brought back in. He's a key player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely a spot there for him, and if he just holds on to it and keeps the form up, then uh, yeah, he, he could be a permanent fixture in the team. Now, I think the three votes we've given to Gaz Jr., two and one are interesting. Well, how do we give the three to, to Gaz Jr.? Because a certain Tom J. Hawkins on the weekend, Zach, just the casual seven goals again. <laughs> oh, he's, he's running hot, isn't he, the last fortnight? Just, uh, mm. he, this would be the best form of his career, I reckon, and his yeah. best year, I would think, even even surpassing those grand finals. He's leading into the right places, his kicking's fantastic, he's crunching every mark. You'd bet the house on him to land a mark at the moment. He's just he's not doing anything wrong. Two bags of seven in the past fortnight. That's nearly unheard of from key forwards now mm. to do it in consecutive weeks. And he'll have a big test against Rance this week. Mm. First time since uh Drew Petrie, I believe, I heard during the week. And from uh twenty twelve that uh, forward had done that and kicked two bags two of seven bags in consecutive seven. weeks. Yeah, it's right. a bit of trivia. Who's the, who's the last Geelong player before Hawkins to kick two bags of seven goals in consecutive weeks? Would that be... We heard this on the radio Kingsley? after the Kent game. Kingsley? Yeah, Kent yeah. Kingsley. Yeah. A yeah. long time ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. Former Richmond player there, Kent Kingsley as well. For five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's his work around the ground. <laughs> You kicked seven goals one. You could say, all right, you've had eight disposals, awesome match, happy. <laughs> it's his work around the ground. 22 disposals from that. His field kicking, as we pointed out, this season is excellent. It's just elite. Nine contested possessions. It's amazing that a full forward who's 30 years old now is getting around the ground this manner and getting consistently around 20 disposals or above in addition to three, four goals, or in the last few weeks, seven. (laughs) And going to the right places. You recall in the Melbourne game, it was him taking that chance to go into the middle of the ground, got the mark from Enzel, handled the Duncan onto two weeks. And and, and that was taking a chance in a game like that. Playing a similar role to uh, Nick Rewalt or or Matthew Richardson in in the latter part of their career, I would say. To an extent, uh, they did play wing. Yeah, uh, I think I think Hawkins but, could probably 
almost push up to that position if he was if he was able to lean out even a little bit more than he is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't no, want no. him to lean out. To, he no, doesn't no, pace. But no. the thing for me is that last week against the D's, we saw a very different side to Hawkins play this week that we saw last week. Four contested marks inside 50. Just an absolute brute of performance. Mm. This week didn't have those contested marks. It was the leading patterns. Yeah. Two very contrasting weeks in terms of performances that reap the same benefits. 20 disposals, roundabouts, seven goals, seven goals for mm. the both. And he's shown he can do both. He's got Lead good player, He's got good chemistry with the other forwards. You can see some of them go on dummy leads a lot, but mm. they, they know what they're doing. They've obviously been practicing at training. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one in the forward line with um again for the second week in a row now with Lockie Henderson in the back line was Jack Henry. Three goals. It's a nice return. Mm. It's a nice return. Yeah. Very good. Very good. The last one I think to point out and the real positive categories. Blitz down back and, and Cole would become accustomed to. And, and Hendo had a great game with 11 1%ers, I thought. But Dan Menzel improving again. Seven disposals in his first match back from injury. People almost calling for his head. First match back from injury after months off. Mm. Nine last week, getting involved. Three crucial goal assists. This week, 11 disposals. 91% disposal efficiency. Some goals in there. Three goals. And also laying a few tackles inside the forward 50. I'm I'm happy. I think the one thing that I didn't like was when he tried to snap from, you know, pretty much 10 metres out slide angle. I want to sit and get that out of his game. And I think that's a confidence thing. A lot of them do that. So for me, a flawless performance apart from that. That was the one that he... he Shanked and went out 10 metres out. In the first quarter. Yeah. You can be putting them through with a drop punt, I think. Yeah, yeah. Stevie yeah. J may may disagree with you, <laughs> but um, redundant now probably. <laughs> <laughs> but it just shows uh, there's a player that two weeks ago had his first match back from injury, and people were calling for him. Oh, Dan, seven disposals, no goals, does nothing, can't provide anything. Jeez, people are right. Off sometimes yeah. he's, a, he's a beauty. Now the tough ones, I guess, from the weekend, we're putting out a potential bottom six. Category. Yeah, are we going to struggle again? Last week we did struggle because in that third quarter, really, the whole team went astray against Melbourne. So it was hard to pick out individual performances. But from this match here, I'm just going to float some names and put it to you guys to discuss. Mm-hmm. Tom Stewart, we know, went down with that injury. So I guess we have to put him to that bottom six, which is unfortunate. Purely he, based he, on numbers. Not based on performance, but based on on output, I guess. You have to, unfortunately, due to that Similar injury. Similar thing with Jed Buse. Similar to Jed Buse as well. Um, yeah, after getting taken out. Was it Duncan coming in from yeah, the bench, yeah, going yeah. from Mark? Unfortunate. So we'll, we'll lock those two down. But that isn't to that isn't a spite on their performance at all. It's just unfortunate that they, uh, they induced those injuries and um, were affected by those that affected their output and the, the time on ground. But... If we've got four more to put in there, I'm going to throw some names at you here. Cam Guthrie, 11 yeah, disposals. Only the 11 disposals. We're used to Cam racking up around 20 disposals and his tackling pressure or his, you know, his kicking efficiency is just really calm, measured, and collective. And it was he, Cam Guthrie didn't put a foot wrong. 100% disposal efficiency. So, Zach, is, 
last couple of weeks has Cam been not at his best or is he under a different role that we're not quite seeing or accepting? I reckon a bit of both. And, I mean, this week our bottom six, you know, still perform well. I think it was a good all-round team effort. Look, he's been a bit flat, not at his best, but certainly, as I said before, doesn't warrant no mission or anything like that. And, you know, we'll back him in to get back to his best form. Yeah. Quinton Arkell? He came in and out of the game, didn't he? Showed, you know, plenty of little bursts here and there. He, he's going to be a great player. I love in the those future, little bit no? of flashes. Yeah. And, and, and look, I, you keep playing him. I think you accept that he, he, he may struggle to, you know, run out a full game and impact a full game. But for me, I, do, I take the good with the bad. He, you just yeah. play him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's too much talent and not playing. And yeah. the point we made last week and the point we made in our analysis post was that last week, especially, the, the players that reached our bottom six category either. Extremely young first-year players like the likes of Narkel or Jermaine Jones, etc., or players that are recently coming back from injury, e.g. Dan Menzel. It, it's similar this week in that the players that we look at, are, if we put, yeah, Stewart and Buse into that category, the, effectively the injured category, <laughs> Narkel, extremely young, Cam only recently last month come back from injury, but uh, there is a bit of both. There is a, a slight change of role to what we've usually seen due to the, the amount of midfielders we had playing in the weekend. Lockie Fogarty's inclusion played a decent game, 15 disposals. So I, I don't... Would, I, don't I wouldn't have put would, him in the bottom six. Missed a couple of chances. Uh, how much are you going to, you know, this is, the, this is the debate, you know, how much do you accept... From a young player, yeah. Oh, look, for, for me, those, those young guys, yeah. Narkel, Fogarty, Junico, I think until finals, you know, when the ball game changes a little bit, should we make it? You play them every week. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And when you put down a bottom six list category, you're hoping for your young players to be the ones, I guess, in the bottom six because you don't want your your hundred again player to be reaching a bottom six or to be producing output that isn't really there so mm. i didn't think Fogarty had a bad match at all i thought he had quite a good match four tackles is solid the tackling area is what i'd, I'd really like to look at with the players like Fogarty, jermaine jones quinton narkel these guys coming through are they at least providing that defensive pressure i'm surprised yeah. jones got dropped yeah. i yeah. thought he'd been defensively and pressure wise doing quite well so a little bit surprising yeah i agree yeah Stats-wise, against the Ds, didn't lay the tackles. But as we pointed out in the, the analysis post, is that the perceived pressure running out the defenders, which Jones does not stop doing. He's yeah. the energizer bunny yeah. of our squad. But I think we'll see him back. He'll definitely play again oh, before sure. the season's over, whether that be home and away season or finals. Um, Tim Kelly, his performance on the weekend, he was involved a lot in it. Clearance up forward. He finished with 16 disposals, 44 disposal efficiency, and six clangers. Mm-hmm. Does he reach a bottom six category there? I reckon based on those Numbers. stats, yeah, I think he'd have to. I mean, I think disposal efficiency is something you really have to look at hard. I mean, there's not much point in getting, you know, 30-plus disposals if half of them are clangers or, you, you know, your kicks aren't going to where they should be. So, again, not a great game, but he'll... He'll bounce back. We have to. It's, it's it's sometimes you know we I feel like we forget he's he's in his first year. Exactly. With the team. Exactly. And this is the point I guess I want to stress. If we are selecting a, a bottom six category there, hypothetically, say we're putting 
B. Stewart, uh, injured players. Kelly, Quinton Narkel, Lockie Fogarty, if they're going to be in there, all first-year players or extremely young players. And then if Cam Guthrie, if he does get included in there by us, relatively soon back from injury and playing a, a very different role mm-hmm. now with our added midfield players mm-hmm. we've seen more back. Yeah, so, as, you, as you mentioned a little, a little bit earlier. Yeah, so it it's promising signs that you, you, you do want your – well, you don't want injured players, but you do want a bottom six player, bottom six list to be your young players, your fresh mm-hmm. first-year players, yeah. or unfortunately, if it happens, the, you know, the players that don't be yeah. able to produce their the finest output, be it injury or other means. Yeah. Do, do you think just getting back to Tim Kelly, we've seen this similar situation not affect other players like Dangerfield and Martin, but do you think the contract speculation could be weighing on him a little bit? I know it's not quite up to the heights that it was with them, but I think it's <laughs> grabbing, it is grabbing a lot of media attention, particularly locally. It could be weighing on him a little bit. There's a good point to make in terms of how does that really affect your mindset going into the match and during the match, but from what we've seen to him this season, I, I don't think it would at all. <laughs> he's, he's got enough confidence in his ability to just yeah. play. He didn't have a terrible match. And as we said no, last no. week against the Ds, which was arguably when the the media speculation is, was at its highest yeah. regarding the contract talk, he turned it on yeah. big time. So yeah. <laughs> it's a good point to make, but I'd probably I'd probably say he's been a true professional this season and worn the, the blue and white hoops with distinction. Yeah. Just, distinction and... And as its finest, Pride. and a first first year player, so yeah, he's been great. Anyway, uh, let's let's take a break now, shall we, boys? Welcome back to the Cadena Cloud, guys. It's Richard here. Um, I wasn't able to join the boys in that first half and I won't be able to join them in the second half, but I am in Melbourne at the moment. I was unfortunate enough not to be able to see the game until uh, Sunday afternoon. I thought the second half especially was, you know, show, we showed some really positive signs and going forward, I think we can take a lot out of that win against Brisbane who, you know, are a side in form. You know, we won by the seven goals, which is definitely a margin you'd be wanting to beat a side like Brisbane at the moment by. But we showed our ascendancy and got the job done and I thought that was a really positive sign to take out of, you know, a home game where we're expected to win. Uh, it's getting closer to the uh, end of the year with the last month of footy plus whatever finals we might play. Uh, the Kaji Greaves medal, it's obviously coming down to the wire with, I think, about seven guys who can who can win the medal this year. Uh, my pick for probably the winner at the moment on form is Hawkins. He's absolutely fantastic. He's kicked the 14 goals the last two weeks. Um, I think Selwood would be probably up there near him. Tom Stewart's probably leading around about now, but I think his ankle injury is probably going to cost him um, by the end of the year, depending on how many games he misses. I have Gary Ablett and uh, Menegola up there as well. I think Ablett's injury earlier in the year might cost him a few few votes from that top three position. He might be, you know, he's in really good form as well at the moment. And obviously Dangerfield and Duncan playing awesome at the moment. So 
They're the seven that I'd expect to fare up the top there. And I'll go with Hawkins to win from Selwood and then um, Menegola. He's had a fantastic year. And as for the Brownlow, I think Dangerfield will probably get the most Brownlow votes for Geelong, closely followed by the likes of Selwood, Hawkins and Ablett again. And it's a shame Hawkins is ineligible. I mean, he's had that two best on grounds in the last two weeks. Um, I think a fair few of the Cats boys will... um, Poll votes, you know, Menzel earlier in the year. Parford had a really good game against Port Adelaide, I think it was. Managola, Mitch Duncan, Tom Stewart, Tim Kelly, they'll all poll votes. Um, as in terms of the Brownlow itself, I think Paddy Cripps is probably leading it right now. And depending on how Carlton go for the last month of footy, he could he could easily win it. It's going to be one of those years, I think, where no one's going to get the 30 votes. So I think mid-20s, you know, 25 might be that number that will get you over the line this year. But obviously, Tom Mitchell's a very hot favourite. He's at about $1.70. And, I mean, I hope he doesn't win. I bloody hate Hawthorne, but Tom Mitchell's all right. But um, it'd be good to see a Maxi Gorn poll a few votes, you know, in, as a ruckman. Um, I think there's other guys down there like Higgins and Dane Beams who who probably won't get the uh, award this year, but it'll probably poll a few votes. And guys like Dustin Martin and Clayton Oliver, I think, you know, who are in really good form at the moment, starting to play their best footy of the year. Maybe could do something if they can pull pull a, through, uh, pull a few three voters together in the last four games of the year. Now, Ronan asked me to uh, pick out a most improved player um, for Geelong, and I didn't really think I needed to think too much past Reece Stanley. But as I think about it, I think, you know, someone like Mark Blitzarfs, who has always been a solid player at AFL level, he's just... He's taken his game to a new level and really just, I think he's been one of the top players in the competition this year, really just holding down a full back position. I think he should be in the All-Australian talks for selection. Whether or not the selectors see it that way, we'll we'll find out later in the year. Um, Moving on to the VFL best and fairest is my last topic to talk about before we get back to the boys. I think, you know... With the likes of um, Hendo and Harry Taylor and Menzel and all those guys playing a handful of games, I don't think they'll steal too many votes off some of the um, VFL guys. The likes of um, Tommy Atkins, who I think will probably win the best and fairest, has been you know, absolutely excellent all year. But um, we haven't had too many big goal kickers. I think Pluggers kicked a fair few goals, um, as well as Crammery and, and Grian Myers. So... Those guys might poll a few votes, but I think, you know, Ryan Abbott is probably the biggest threat to Tommy Atkins. And uh, it's a shame that Tommy Atkins is not playing AFL this year because um, he's an absolute superstar. And I hope he, you know, doesn't go to another club. And I hope, you know, if he does get drafted, Geelong are the team to do so. But um, before we move back to the boys, I'm going to give my predictions for the week. Huge game against the Tigers, obviously, on Friday night. Um, I think Joel Selwood was massive the last time he played these guys and he's kind of the man that stands up for these occasions. If we are to win, which uh, I think it's a 50-50 game. I mean, you know, we win this game, I think we'll finish fourth on the ladder, whereas if we don't win, I'm assuming we'll beat Hawthorne, Frio and Gold Coast and, you know, at least finish sixth. Um, I've got a ladder predictor and Geelong finished sixth to play Port Adelaide in a elimination final in Melbourne, then they'd probably play Collingwood in a semi, then Richmond in a prelim if we were to finish sixth. But if we beat Richmond this week and finish off the year with, you know, all these wins, 
will finish probably about fourth and then probably play Richmond in a, a qualifying final, which would probably be an ideal result because I think we can knock Richmond off. We're one of the few teams that can knock them off at the MCG. Um, it's really important for us, you know, this game. So I think I'm leaning towards a very, very close game and can't tip against the Cats. So I'm going to go the Cats by three points and I'm going to have um, either Joel Selwood or Tom Hawkins, probably best play. I mean, if Hawkins plays well, he's probably beaten Rance and kicked a bag and maybe we'll get over the line. But I'm going to go with Joel Selwood. I think the game's going to be one in the midfield. And if we can get that supply into Tommy Hawkins and hopefully Menzel can stand up and kick a couple. But I think everything's starting to come together for the Cats and, um, you know, it's going to be a very, very good game. And I can't wait to get down to the G after a long week of work this Friday night. Anyway, back to the boys in the litter box. See you guys next week. Get in love! 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 So we'll get into some midweek news now. And after a D's match, after that, that great finish from Tui... <laughs> It wasn't too much to talk about in terms of the negatives, I guess. Tim Kelly, again, every single week, his name gets raised, this time Simon Lloyd on the Cats podcast, being very measured, not not giving away too much, just saying he's, he's confident Kelly will be a cat, whether that be he remains a cat, whether that be he till the end of the season, whether it be next season, whether that be he'll sign an extension. We don't really know. So I'm not going to – we've banged on about Tim Kelly contract. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we can't speculate too much. Exactly. Yeah, the other one was the trio, the the young the young kids of Asava Radagalea, Jack Henry, and Quinton Arkell signing all contract extensions. Big Sav until 2021 and the other two till 2020. Great, Great signs there. Happy Fantastic. Days. Very happy with yep. that. Very happy with that. They'll be key players for sure. Who's, uh, who's next? Ooh. I want, I want JJ. I want Jermaine Jones. Ten years, ten years contract <laughs> extension. Mm, I want Cunico and Fogarty as well. I think they're definitely worth locking away too. Fogarty, yep, yeah, first as, year rookie. Well, yeah. aside aside from you know the the obvious hopeful contract extension of Tim Kelly, yeah. then yeah. um yeah, it's uh, other other than that. Ooh, yeah, you would what about yeah. a certain Daniel Menzel also out of contract? I think we're forgetting him. Would you, another one would you give it? Yeah, another another one of these one year. Uh, yes, but at the end of the season, we don't know what. We'll, there's a lot of games to play, and unfortunately, as Chris Scott has explained to Dan, the situation that he's in with his body is that the club can't offer him more than a one year extension. Unfortunately, due to the fact that. The body his body history, and I think that's the reason why other clubs didn't pick him up mm. last season. So, if it depends on the club, it, if they want to lock him away to buy him away from other clubs, then definitely at this stage. But with four more home and away games to go, plus finals, you never know what could happen. I'd leave it until the end of the season and then talk start flowing from that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably a, a fair assessment. We've got to be aggressive, though, if we want to keep him. There will be other clubs that will chase him, for sure. He's too good a talent not to at least inquire 
about his services. So why not say give him a two year extension? So one year and then give it say an incentive base for the second year if he can play X amount of games or whether it's about output or whatever. Mm. I think you've got to offer some sort of other incentive to keep him for sure. Because other clubs will inquire. At the at the moment, I I feel like it's a you know a week by week or a year by year proposition. Look at him. I mean, he's from South Australia, so I'm sure. You know, Adelaide and Port again. They'd at least inquire about it and have a look into him. He's been in the club for years now, though. I don't think he'd he'd really, really be pushing or forcing a move back to then some of the you know a younger player that is fresh out from interstate and really, really homesick and in it, a different. You know, if, if it was five years ago, I would have agreed with that. But I reckon with free agency now, anything can happen. I think all of those assumptions now are, are change completely with free agency. Right. Okay. Yeah, it will be interesting come the end of the season. It will be interesting come the latter parts of the season, the podcasts that we do that are mm-hmm. more contract-focused or more draft and trade-focused. Um, but for now, let's just hope that Jay signs for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see who one of my future favourite players is right there. <laughs> Buddy-like deal, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, not directly Cats-related news, but still is AFL news, was the midweek... Uh, Gil McLaughlin talk potential rule changes being the increased goal square size or effectively zoning six defenders, six mids, six boards, and the, or whether they're going to trial it during, can I say, redundant games being the lower tier games, a Carlton you, match you can versus say the Carlton St Kilda for this game. season. Um, has that been put to bed now? That's not going to happen this season. I think uh, I think Gill actually came out and said after uh, after the backlash that he'd obviously received or the AFL had received for these ideas from general media, from the masses, from the public, that it might not be the best idea to, to do that because you're you're messing with the fabric of the game. But but isn't isn't the JLT the preseason? Then yeah. that that's when you normally do all these things, yeah. or possibly in the VFL. Yeah. yeah, and and I think there still is talk. I'm not sure if this has been decided one way or the other. But Steve Hocking would be doing his, would hopefully be doing his due diligence in in looking at every round and not individual matches. You oh, identify so. these against so. Cats last week against as the, one of the best games. Of one the of year. the best games of the year against a another a stinker happens every round yeah the, the, there's your there's your classics like uh the richmond collingwood game was a was a good game I, I sometimes i think people just expect the impossible in in any code afl nro you know even the nfl nba the epl anything you're always going to get stinker games whether mm-hmm. that's every week but but it happens. I watched a Gold Coast Carlton game for some reason last night. It was awful. <laughs> it was absolutely awful. But you would know just by looking at that fixture, it's not going to be great. Yeah. But then yeah. Richmond Collingwood, that's going to be a cracker, and it was. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think we just have to accept that no matter what we do, you are going to get below average games sometimes. Yeah. And I think there was even um, even some midweek uh, discussion or uh, critique and criticism from players of the certain West Coast players. Yes, yes. Chris Maston is the the player that I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. um, saying that, yeah, he's totally, you know, opposed to these uh, constant suggestions of rule changes. Yeah, yeah. And he was quite adamant. The way he said it as well was quite, 
almost provocative. Mm. Um, might get a please explain at some point. Yeah, well, it's the way yeah. the AFL is sometimes. If you want to go back, we did do a podcast, which half of it was devoted purely to the <laughs> AFL, I guess, state of the game regarding potential rule changes coming in within the next two years, whether it be zoning, uh, like the, the Hawthorne training session, or whether it be increased goal square or so on, so other. By Zach's size there, you can see his, uh, his views and opinions from that. So <laughs> we won't delve too much into that, given that we've already kind of covered that. But feel free to go and have a, have a quick listen to the second half of that podcast, if you wish. But we've been doing some on our Facebook page, Kenny Clowder, putting out some... Yeah. Retro Cats, which is really just um, selecting six past players, club characters, club legends, mm-hmm. and then just doing little write-ups of each of the each of those players. Yes, yeah. Peter Riccardi, who's out of one of the local footy leagues as a coach, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the local ones. I anyway. think Banner. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Keep on top of that, and yeah, thanks for all your your likes and your comments and your feedbacks. Moving on from the likes, comments, and the, the feedback. So let's get straight on to that. The shouting out your opinions, hearing your voice from the week after the, the Brisbane match and previewing maybe some thoughts against Richmond at the MCG. So first up is Jake Langenegger. Says, having Jack Henry Ford seem to let Menzel play up the ground a bit more and use his great field kicking to advantage. I feel like the Ford line will be pretty settled now for the rest of the year with this setup. Possibly Crammer in for Stewart and Henry goes back. Thoughts there, boys. Crammer in for Stewart and Henry goes back. I like it. I like it. But I mean, I've I've got faith in the in the club to make the to make you know an educated decision, an educated choice on on which players to to bring in. Um, until we see the teams. You know, all, all this sort of stuff is, is debate, is speculation. Um, but obviously something does have to happen. Um, and, and there may have to be a, a restructuring of the, of the squad, which it may unsettle it for the, you know, for the short term. A few weeks ago, Zach. Yeah. One Lockie Henderson was reintroduced into the squad. Mm hmm. We were all quite unsure as to how that back six was going to rearrange. One person that definitely was not unsure was Zach. That's right. He remained adamant. <laughs> That's right. That back six will not be changed. Mm-hmm. We're all thinking, okay, well, Collar's got to move either to the wing or Blitzarves has got to move to the wing. Yep. You knew you had a source that no, that will stay. That back six. All right. In stone. Tom Stewart. We can rule them out for the next three to four weeks. Yep. Not sure whether you've been in conversation with your, <laughs> your Sammy Jacobs yet. How do you foresee that, that change or possible backline changes? Well, I got the coach on my side this time. I think Jack Henry will go back, and Chris Scott actually said after the game it's pretty much a lock that he'll go back. So I think that's pretty straightforward. I've been banging on for weeks that Thurlow should be in consideration. He's surely got to be in the frame this week, possibly. But I think Cramery's got to got to come in. Although we seem to have a habit of playing Zach Guthrie in all the big games, and he's not ready, so he might 
yeah. get a run. But for me, again, same it's the same argument as last time. You've got a massive game that we need to win. You're going to have a huge crowd. It's a big game. You've got to bring Cramer in. He's a ready-made AFL player. I think he's got to play. Bigger body. This, exactly. is, this is the point we've made a few times. After the Hawthorne match, looking back on that and Zach Guthrie against that moment, rough head. Similarly, Sam Simpson, his first game introduction probably wasn't the right time at a very crucial match at Adelaide, in Adelaide Oval. The inclusions at this stage can't be debutants for me. There's no... If you introduce... As much as I've been harping on for his inclusion this season and their inclusions, at this stage in the season, to introduce whether it be Ryan Abbott playing a half-forward ruck row rotation role, or whether it be Charlie Constable, it's detrimental to the team setup because you, you want continuity with the players, whether it be... I think the only sensible option is Jackson Thurlow comes in as an experienced player or potentially Jack Henry goes back and the likes of Stuart Cramery come back in or Jermaine Jones, who we've already seen can do with this yeah. season. Up I think maybe even Jordan Murdoch might come in the conversation yeah. as well. Yeah. Experienced player, he's got the big body. Yeah. He could well be in the frame too. So all those names, the experienced bodies or players that we've seen can do it yeah. this season. And, and I don't, I don't like having this conversation, you know, because we're not, you know, we're not having a crack at these young guys. You know, they're going to be good players. Zach Guthrie and uh, Sam Simpson, they'll be players of the future. It's just the timing of their inclusions that we're questioning. Yeah. The other one potentially I'd like to raise after Jake's question there is I'm not sure and, and no one really is sure about Harry Taylor's return. Could I put a hypothetical towards you, Ole and Zach, that if Taylor is fit and ready to return, does he get put into the squad? And if he does, with uh, with Tom Stewart out, does Henry go back or does Harry Taylor go back or does a certain centre-half forward role get taken up again? I would think we don't want to mess things around when there's a future beyond your club legends. There's a future beyond your your veterans. Yeah. There may we may have to, as bad as it may sound, you know, start to think about life beyond Harry. Essentially gradually phasing him out of of, of the setup. So for the time being we leave Henry in a position in the position that he is has probably taken up the last the last couple of weeks. So that that forward line position for Henry would be where we would want him to be. I think for for now. And if we're going to play Taylor, we have to go with what we know he's capable of doing, which is backline. So Harry would have to probably. If he was included, he would have to go back for it. The, the best thing for him would be to be in the back line. And we've seen that Henry can provide a contest and jump and mark and, you know, and do a job in the rock. Do the, do the job in the rock. <laughs> so the he is, he's a little bit more versatile than Taylor would be at this stage of his career. So, um, my yeah. only thought there that I'll then post his hack is yeah. against Richmond, they only have really. One tall forward who doesn't really play to a tall forward strength. Harry Taylor, Lockie Henderson, Colin Jasny, Blitzarves, all tall blokes in the forward line against a team with Daniel Rioli and the likes of these upcoming Jack Higgins. Would you go smaller back line? Henry in the back line well, for me. Well, that's on the assumption that we play Richmond. But um, 
experience winter finals, experience reading the situation, standing, standing up. Harry Taylor's got that in spades. Jack Henry's had a great year, but for me, you play Harry Taylor. If he's fit, oh, he's I'm, ready. I'm just thinking the, the upcoming week. Oh, the upcoming week, yeah. sorry. Um, considering the team and the game, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't play him. For finals, absolutely. If he's fit and ready to go, he yeah. plays without a doubt. Yeah, exactly. This week, yeah. no. And I don't think he's going to play anyway from what we hear. But yeah. considering Richmond's small forward line, they're all already forecasting possibly showers for Friday. So I think that would work against him even more mm. as well. So they got yeah. their little mosquito fleet zipping around there. So I think we need a player like a Thurlow, a smallish player, better at ground level, possibly Murdoch as well. Yeah, exactly. he just He doesn't fit the, the needs for this week, I think. Mm. It's a great comment, Jake, and a great question posed yeah. because there's so many different options that Scotty discussion. and the and the coaching staff and Skyler could could go with. We've pointed out probably about five different players there <laughs> that could come in potentially or could be reshaped. Um, Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave whatever says in your hands after your last call on when Hendo was coming in. So it, it's kind of a, I'm bowing down to Zach at the minute. <laughs> Wise what, choice. What Jake, whatever Zach says at the moment is gospel. Um, <laughs> oh, I my wife would agree with <laughs> <laughs> Does she listen to these? <laughs> she is a fan of the podcast. She is. Yeah. yeah. Next up, Leon. Leon Reeves comment. He says, much better scoreline and the sort of scores we've been accustomed to playing lower teams at Kidney Park. As always, like starting off with the positives, great, love it, Liam. Hawkins with another big bag, and the delivery to him has been silver service. It was, wasn't it? We saw mm. it last week. I think with Tim Kelly, just silver putter, hit Hawkins on the chest. Duncan as well, late on. It, it has been. Duncan and Neely B.O. I reckon our best passer in the team, delivering the forwards. He never misses. Mm. Beautiful kick. Yeah, yeah. Inside 50, I think we really turned the corner. The three areas that we have really turned the corner, I think, are clearances, kicking efficiency inside 50 to the likes of Hawkins, and also, well, this is a, a one-player uh, call-out here, but ruck work, <laughs> and Reece Stanley. Yeah, that, that's a great call. Shows Leon. you how important he is. Definitely. So Leon says, a big challenge next week. He's in form, and I hope he has a field day. Menzel and Henry starting to get some gelling action, and this week could be providing that we have no injuries in our back line, but unfortunately looks like Stewart would be out. So interested to see if we leave Henry up forward. Personally, against Richmond, I would bring in Thurlow. There we go. There's a, there's a good shout. Zach, yep. <laughs> Leon, says, Leon says, Gaza starting to get in the rhythm and him of his Brownlow years, which will help us to come finals time. Yes, I believe we'll play finals. Yep, I, I do believe so too. Good solid gains from Duncan. Yep, 28 disposals. We I don't think we mentioned Mitch Duncan, really. Danger, Menangola, and Parfit in the midfield. I was very happy to see Menangola and Duncan play a higher gear, especially when Joel had a slightly quieter game. We've seen this two games in a row now, Zach, yep. as Leanne points out. Last week for Joel, I think he only amassed 16 disposals. On a tag this week again, 22 disposals. Not the heights of heights. His, his brothers eclipsed him two weeks in a row in terms of disposals, <laughs> in terms of goals. <laughs> but this is this is the man. This is our leader that's on the tag. We're not going to question our fearless leader, are we? But I, I would suspect in one of those last two rounds that he'd be getting a rest against either Frio or Gold Coast, with due respect really? to them. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, you look at Freo, they're not going to have Fife, they're not going to have Sandal, and so Gold Coast could well be, depending on what our ladder position is. If our ladder posi- if, if we come up against the Gold Coast last round, if our ladder position can't change, who knows? They could rest half a dozen. Who mm. knows? Mm, yeah. He'd be one of the first on the list because his body just gets battered and bruised every week. He needs a rest. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting. Zach is in the know, so we'll, <laughs> we'll see that. Pure speculation. Pure speculation. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The asterisk next to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leon says, Cam Guthrie looking better and better with each game. Does he not reach our, our bottom six category there? Disposal, 100% disposal efficiency. It, it, as we pointed out, at a very different role to Cam's been playing. So it, it's from a different eye there, Leon. It's a good, it's a good call to make because. From looking at it, if you look at all right, 11 disposals, not the greatest return from Cam, who we're used to seeing racking up five to six tackles, similar to Scooter Selwood and around 20 disposals. But his game on a whole is playing a very, very different role. So we do have to take that into account. And yeah. I think, you know, what did he come back from? He had a foot, didn't he? Was he foot? Injury for him because mm-hmm. I think the injury can often determine how. Ankle, I believe. Yeah, his ankle. You're usually fine with foot or ankle. It can take a couple of weeks to get yeah. a full head of steam back. How you want to protect it to yeah, an extent? Yeah. The hammies seem a little bit easier. You do your rehab, you can come back in, and you're basically right to go. So I think you got to look at the nature of the injury also. Mm. Menzel's in a similar boat. Mm. Leon says our only disappointing part was Stewart's injury. In terms of changes, don't think we need any, but would love to have some tactic to stuff up Richmond. Maybe Blitzarves play a bit of forward or Ablett in the pocket for a little while. Something something from left field. Exactly. I agree. Could, yeah. could be worthwhile. Blitzarves play a bit forward. I'm going to say no from there just because I, I've loved him this season down back and he's done a stellar role. And I've loved the continuity down back with Blitzarves and College Asney and Stewart and Jed Buse all playing together consistently. So, yeah, it... If we are down at three-quarter time, we're at a stage where, and it is a point where we need to put a, a can I call it a, a wrench change, a Zach Tui Ford change, um, then yeah. then maybe. But, Caution um, to the wind. The idea in principle is good, though. Mm. Richmond have had everything their way this year. They've had everything yeah. their way. So someone, you know, yeah, change we, we something to, up. Yeah. Tui, Spanner in the works. Tui, so I reckon, could be a good one, even if it's just for five, ten minutes each quarter, just mm. throwing forward. He's proven he's beautiful kid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Why not? Well, it's something that just makes the opposition hit the panic button. Yeah. The yeah. best part of our last four games is that that destiny is in our hands. Mm-hmm. Expect Cats to match Tigers' intensity and win by 21 points. He's calling it there. Wow. I still reckon we have to beat them for our growth and self-belief. Yeah. And big congratulations to Scott's 400 games. Yeah. So we, we, we didn't call that out. Chris Scott, 400 games playing and coaching together. Fantastic achievement, fantastic player, and I love him as a coach. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. been very solid as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for your, your comments. As we've, we've stated, we'll give out at the end of season prizes. Cats will be will be given out for the most frequently engaging or insightful fan comments. So keep them coming in, and there could be some, some nice, juicy memorabilia or other prizes coming to you at the end of the season. So thanks, guys. We'll have to move on now to previewing Richmond. Friday night at the MCG. Zach? I'm not as pessimistic as what some people are. Well, we... I'm shaking my head right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, look, look, we can't hide away. Richmond are the benchmark at the moment. They're not everyone's making them out like they're invincibles. That's not true. 
I think we can beat them. And I agree. I think it was Leon's comment. I reckon mm-hmm. if we change things around a little bit, throw a spanner in the work, if we're behind, take the game on and have a crack, Richmond are beatable. Absolutely, mm-hmm. they're beatable. Yeah. You look at how close Collingwood got with all the injuries they had. They gave them a good run. If Geelong really turn up, then then we can worry Richmond for sure. Richmond's back six, I think that's where their biggest weakness would be, I think. I reckon Hawkins could get a hold of Ranch. You know, he's got to contend with his big body and his tendency to dive forward at times, as he's known for doing. And I reckon Dylan Grimes, he's a good player, but he is a little bit undersized. And then their smaller backs can... Pooley's not going to be playing, I think, so we can keep a winning score if our forwards turn up. Last time we did play them, they did have a key backman out injured. Was that Asprey, I think it was. It was Asprey, Asprey, yeah. He's been a fantastic, fantastic servant for Richmond Football Club and a great player this season, last season. So that was a huge miss to them at the time, and they brought in a debutant who, to be fair, played an amazing game for the first game. The likes of Daniel Rioli really did affect us when we played them in MCG in weeks back. How are we going to stop these? Usually you would put the role to Jed Buse. He's done the job on um, Eddie Betts a number of times, but um, we have to wait and see with, with the potential injury to Jed Buse, the seriousness of that. Yeah. So. Stuart Mews, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be something that we have to mm. reshuffle. It's going to come down. Smaller defenders. Again, I think Thurlow fits the bill perfectly. He does, He's pretty yeah. quick. He's a good size. He can match him physically in speed. So. And he only has yeah. to match him for one game. If he, you know, obviously if he comes... Well, yeah, it's an, yeah, it's an obvious statement. But if he, if he comes in for one game, does the job... And he can. Yeah, and 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 he's and he's been proven to do that. If he comes in for, for one game, does the job, and then is put back in the VFL mm. for whatever reason, because he's surplus to requirements or the um, players coming back or yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Um, you see, all the harsh taskmaster, isn't he? <laughs> well, I just he's, yeah, I'll just. You talk about throwing a spanner in the works. We have Henderson, who we <clears> didn't have last time we play. I reckon you back him in to go to Rewall. You got Collar Jasney, who's a, a bigger size, maybe not as quick. Why not try Blixar's on Rioli? He's bigger, but he certainly can make match him for speed and endurance. Why not something different? Blixar's is, you know, probably but one not? of, if not the elite runner well, in the. Well, why not? And if he's able to get close, you know, physically wise, he could impose himself on him. This is what I mean. Surely they're mm. going to have these conversations. We got to do something different. The problem is they have so many of these these types of players. It's not just yeah. Dan Rioli. Castagna. It's Castagna. <laughs> yeah, it's Castagna. It's Jack Higgins now. It's a lot of these players. Dan Butler, if he plays, they have a huge, a huge amount of these young forwards that just provide pressure. And where that real term we've heard in the last month, perceived pressure, has really stemmed from these Richmond groups. But mm. key 1v1s, yeah, as you pointed out, Rance v Hawkins will be an interesting one, to say the but least. Their forwards are good, but, but that's because they're getting silver service in from the midfield every time. So most forwards would gobble that up. If yep. we can either limit the ball that's coming in or at least limit the quality of the ball coming mm. in, yep. it's going to be a lot harder for them. So yep. we either break even in the midfield or we beat them in the midfield. We can beat them in the we midfield. Can beat them in the midfield. But last time we played them, Stanley beat Nankervis in terms of hitouts, in terms of disposals. Reese is in He's amazing in form. form. He's in better form now. Mm. We can beat them. Mm. Let's back, back ourselves in, yeah. back the changes that we make, 
whether it be Stuart or Jebus or whether there's another knock that we're unknown about or is yet to be seen to come out of it, just back the changes that are made from that, but we can beat think, them in every I area. I think Lockie Henderson's inclusion or availability this time shouldn't be underestimated. I think he'll he'll really give us an, a new string to our bow down back. Exactly, yeah. It's an important match. Uh, it'll be a good one for the neutral, actually, Friday night. Finally, not some lower-tier Friday night matches that are on Channel 7. <laughs> um <laughs> Are we willing to ban Carlton for 10 years <laughs> from Friday night since they've just given trash the last few times they've played? <laughs> um, I, won't, I won't comment there. <laughs> we'll move on, I guess, to Clouder's predictions and upcoming Clouder Cat of the Week. So the player that you think will be the most promising or the most surprise package from this week Start with Ol in terms of your prediction and your Clouder Cat of the Week against Richmond Friday night. Uh, going against my own team didn't work. Here we go. Back Here we go. The Sydney game. Here we go. Just press mute. Here we um, go. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work for the Sydney game, so I'm not going to do it again. Even though perhaps I put the you know perhaps I put the moz on on Sydney when I tip. Um, so maybe I, maybe I possess that much. You know, maybe I possess that much. Sydney's win was all I was doing. Look, I'll, I will back the, the cats in, you know, part sentimentality, part heart, but also I believe that the, the form that we're in is, is decent form. So, um, I'll still say a tight margin though. Probably a goal. Always very tight with the margins. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember a week where you've surpassed 12 points as your margin. Probably, <laughs> I'll probably go no higher than, than maybe six goals the, at, the, at the moment. But, um, even dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And you'll cloud a cat of the week um, upcoming. I'll back in Gaz. I don't think I have at all this year. Kept performing, big game. Mm-hmm. He's going to want to have to play well. There's going to be a fair bit of pressure on him, but I think he can continue the um, the rich vein of form that he's in. Mm, I like it. Moving on from a, a pessimist clatter to a positive. Right. Not Zach. a matter of if we're going to win, it's how much we're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it will be a tie game. I'm not going to be quite as optimistic as I normally be. I'm going to say a, a three-goal win to Geelong. Tom Hawkins, I think he's just in such good form and as good as... As Rance is, you know, physically he'll be able to match it with Hawkins. The umpires can only look the other way. He's diving for so long, surely. <laughs> I think he'll he'll play well. He'll kick at least four or more. Whether whether I would we love win that. or whether we win or lose, I would love that. When when you hit a good vein of form, it doesn't matter who you play or where you play. You you will keep going. Is Hawkins a sneaky chance for the Coleman? Yeah, for the sure. Yeah. Ben Brown's playing at the moment. See how many he kicks. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I've had the benefit last few weeks of, uh, of, of putting my prediction last, so <laughs> working out the tactics. So I'll see your 18 and I'll raise you 19. Thank you very much. My upcoming Clouder Cat of the Week is one Brandon Parfit. Had a good couple of weeks getting back to his, his real kind of solid performances. 20 disposals last week, 26 this week. A few shots at goal. I think against the small small guys from Richmond, he'll really, really get involved and be around it. Stoppages, clearances, Brandon Parfit, mm-hmm. upcoming cloud of the week. 
Well, finally then, uh, all the best. Friday night at the MCG, go Cats, and let's get that four points, and on the way to finals. No worries, people. Just before we finish, I've just noticed I haven't raised this. Uh, oh, you've got a you got. Is this the the retro post during oh. the week? <laughs> the mu- I was, I was a bit of a, sporting a, some sort posing of a, a pretty good yeah. mode. I've got a, a Dangerfield esque retro round mustache at the moment. Oh, well, it's I don't, know, impressive. Well, I don't know what's going on really. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, it, the retro post's getting to Oz's head. <laughs> so we'll see more of these um in the coming weeks. So thanks for listening. Um uh, get around you know all the socials, community clatter on Facebook, SoundCloud, various other media. Thanks for listening guys. Uh see you after hopefully a good four points. Come the cats. Go catters.